Section thirty eight of the Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume two by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. His humane, forgiving disposition was put to a pretty strong test on his return to London by a liberty which Mr. Thomas Davies had taken with him in his absence, which was to publish two volumes entitled Miscellaneous and Fugitive Pieces which he advertised in the newspapers by the author of the rambler in this collection several of dr johnson's acknowledged writings several of his anonymous performances and some which he had written for others were inserted but there were also some in which he had no concern whatever footnote the whole of the first volume is johnson's and three-quarters of the second a second edition was published the following year with the third volume added which also contained pieces by johnson but no apology from davies End footnote. he was at first very angry as he had good reason to be but upon consideration of his poor friend's narrow circumstances and that he had only a little profit in view and meant no harm he soon relented and continued his kindness to him as formerly footnote when davies printed the fugitive pieces without his knowledge or consent how said i would pope have raved had he been served so we should never replied he have heard the last on to be sure but then pope was a narrow man I will, however, added he, storm and bluster myself a little this time. So went to London, and all the wrath he could muster up. At his return I asked how the affair ended. Why, said he, I was a fierce fellow, and pretended to be very angry, and Thomas was a good-natured fellow, and pretended to be very sorry. So there the matter ended. I believe the dog loves me dearly. Mr. Thrale, turning to my husband, what shall you and I do that is good for Tom Davies? We will do something for him, to be sure. Piozzi's Anecdotes, end of footnote. In the course of his self-examination with retrospect to this year, he seems to have been much dejected, for he says, January the 1st, 1774, This year has passed with so little improvement that I doubt whether I have not rather impaired than increased my learning. Footnote, Prayers and Meditations, Boswell, into footnote. And yet we have seen how he read, and we know how he talked during that period. He was now seriously engaged in writing an account of our travels in the Hebrides, in consequence of which I had the pleasure of a more frequent correspondence with him. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, my operations have been hindered by a cough at least i flatter myself that if my cough had not come i should have been further advanced but i have had no intelligence from dr w in square brackets webster nor from the excise office nor from you no account of the little borough footnote the ancient borough of prestick in ayrshire boswell end of footnote nothing of the earth's language I have yet heard nothing of my books. You must make haste, and gather me all you can, and do it quickly, or I will and shall do without it. 
make my compliments to Mrs. Boswell, and tell her that I do not love her the less for wishing me away. I gave her trouble enough, and shall be glad in recompense to give her any pleasure. I would send some porter into the Hebrides, if I knew which way it could be got to my kind friends there. Inquire and let me know. Make my compliments to all the doctors of Edinburgh, and to all my friends from one end of Scotland to the other. Write to me, and send me what intelligence you can, and if anything is too bulky for the post, let me have it by the carrier. I do not like trusting winds and waves. I am, dear sir, your most, etc. Samuel Johnson, January the 29th, 1774. To the same, dear sir, in a day or two after I had written the last discontented letter, I received my box, which was very welcome. But still I must entreat you to hasten Dr. Webster, and continue to pick up what you can that may be useful. Mr. Oglethorpe was with me this morning. You know his errand. He was not unwelcome. Tell Mrs. Boswell that my good intentions towards her still continue. I should be glad to do anything that would either benefit or please her. Chambers is not yet gone, but so hurried, or so negligent, or so proud, that I rarely see him. I have indeed, for some weeks past, been very ill of a cold and cough, and have been at Mrs. Thrale's, that I might be taken care of. I am much better. No vae rereunt impraedia vires. Footnote. Perhaps Johnson imperfectly remembered no vae rediere impristina vires. Aeneid, Book 12, line 45, in a footnote. But I am yet tender and easily disordered. How happy it was that neither of us were ill in the Hebrides. The question of literary property is this day before the Lords. Footnote. The decision was given on February the 22nd against the perpetual right. By the above decision, near two hundred thousand pounds worth of what was honestly purchased at public sale, and which was yesterday thought property, is now reduced to nothing. The English booksellers have now no other security in future for any literary purchase they may make, but the statute of the eighth of Queen Anne, which secures to the author's assigns and exclusive property for fourteen years, to revert again to the author and vest in him for fourteen years more. Annual Register, 1774, Murphy drew up the appellant's case, that is, the plea against the perpetual right. Footnote. Murphy was a barrister, as well as an author. End of footnote. The question of literary property is this day before the Lords. I have not seen it, nor heard the decision. I would not have the right perpetual. I will write to you as anything occurs, and do you send me something about my Scottish friends. I have very great kindness for them. Let me know likewise how fees come in, and when we are to see you. I am, sir, yours affectionately, Samuel Johnson, London, February the 7th, 1774. He at this time wrote the following letters to Mr. Stevens 
his able associate in editing Shakespeare. To George Stevens, Esquire in Hampstead, Sir, if I am asked when I have seen Mr. Stevens, you know what answer I must give. If I am asked when I shall see him, I wish you would tell me what to say. If you have Leslie's History of Scotland, or any other book about Scotland, except Boethius and Buchanan, it will be a kindness if you send them to Sir Your Humble Servant Samuel Johnson, February the 7th, 1774. To the same, Sir, we are thinking to augment our club, and I am desirous of nominating you. If you care to stand the ballot and can attend on Friday nights at least twice in five weeks, less than this is too little, and rather more will be expected. Be pleased to let me know before Friday. I am so your most, etc. Samuel Johnson, February the 21st, 1774. To the same, sir. Last night you became a member of the club. If you call on me on Friday, I will introduce you. A gentleman proposed after you was rejected. I thank you for Neander, but wish he were not so fine. Footnote, Mr. Croker quotes a note by Malone to show that in the catalogue of Stevens's library this book is described as a quarto coleotopico folies de oratis. End of footnote. I will take care of him. I am so your humble servant, Samuel Johnson, March the 5th, 1774. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, Dr. Webster's informations were much less exact and much less determinate than I expected. They are indeed much less positive than, if he can trust his own book, which he laid before me, he is able to give. Footnote. A manuscript account drawn by Dr. Webster of all the parishes in Scotland, ascertaining their length, breadth, number of inhabitants, and distinguishing Protestants and Roman Catholics. This book had been transmitted to government, and Dr. Johnson saw a copy of it in Dr. Webster's possession, Boswell into footnote. But I believe it will always be found that he who calls much for information will advance his work but slowly. I am, however, obliged to you, dear sir, for your endeavours to help me, and hope that, between us, something will sometime be done, if not on this, on some occasion. Chambers is either married, or almost married, to Miss Wilton, a girl of sixteen, exquisitely beautiful, whom he has, with his lawyer's tongue, persuaded to take her chance with him in the East. We have added to the club Charles Fox, Sir Charles Bunbury, Dr. Fordyce, and Mr. Stevens. Footnote. Beauclair, three weeks earlier, had written to Lord Chalmon, Our club has dwindled away to nothing. Nobody attends but Mr. Chambers, and he is going to the East Indies. Sir Joshua and Goldsmith have got into such a round of pleasures that they have no time. Chalmon's life. Johnson, no doubt, had been kept away by illness. Mr. Fox, as Sir James Mackintosh informed me, was brought in by Burke, Croker. Sir C. Bunbury was the brother of Mr. H. W. Bunbury, 
the caricaturist who married Goldsmith's friend, the elder Miss Horney, little comedy, as she was called, Forster's Goldsmith. Rogers, Table Talk, tells how Dr. Fordyce, who sometimes drank a good deal, was summoned to a lady patient when he was conscious that he had had too much wine. Feeling her pulse and finding himself unable to count its beats, he muttered, Drunk by G. Next morning, a letter from her was put into his hand. She too well knew, she wrote, that he had discovered the unfortunate condition in which he had been, and she entreated him to keep the matter secret in consideration of the enclosed. A hundred pound banknote. Stevens wrote to Garrick on March the 6th, Mr. C. Fox pays you but a bad compliment, as he appears like the late Mr. Secretary Morris to enter the society at a time when he has nothing else to do. If the bon ton should prove a contagious disorder among us, it will be curious to trace its progress. I have already seen it breaking out in Dr. G. in square brackets Goldsmith, under the form of many a waistcoat. But I believe Dr. G. will be the last man in whom the symptoms of it will be detected. Garrick Correspondence In less than a month, poor Goldsmith was dead. Fox, just before his election to the club, had received through one of the doorkeepers of the House of Commons the following note. Sir, His Majesty has thought proper to order a new commission of the Treasury to be made out, in which I do not perceive your name. North. End of footnote. Return my thanks to Dr. Webster. Tell Dr. Robertson that I have not much to reply to his censure of my negligence, and tell Dr. Blair that since he has written hither what I said to him, we must now consider ourselves as even forgive one another and begin again. I care not how soon, for he is a very pleasing man. Pay my compliments to all my friends, and remind Lord Ellibank of his promise to give me all his works. I hope Mrs. Boswell and the little Miss are well. When shall I see them again? She is a sweet lady, only she was so glad to see me go that I have almost a mind to come again, that she may again have the same pleasure. Inquire if it be practicable to send a small present of a cask of porter to Dunvegan, Rasse, and Col. I would not wish to be thought forgetful of civilities. I am, sir, your humble servant, Samuel Johnson, March the 5th, 1774. On the 5th of March, I wrote to him, requesting his counsel whether I should this spring come to London. I stated to him, on the one hand, some pecuniary embarrassments which, together with my wife's situation at that time, made me hesitate, and on the other, the pleasure and improvement which my annual visit to the metropolis always afforded me, and particularly mentioned a peculiar satisfaction which I experienced in celebrating the festival of Easter in St. Paul's Cathedral, that, to my fancy, it appeared like going up to Jerusalem at the feast of the Passover, 
and that the strong devotion which I felt on that occasion diffused its influence on my mind through the rest of the year. To James Boswell, Esquire, not dated, but written about the 15th of March. Dear Sir, I am ashamed to think that since I received your letter I have passed so many days without answering it. I think there is no great difficulty in resolving your doubts. The reasons for which you are inclined to visit London are, I think, not of sufficient strength to answer the objections. That you should delight to come once a year to the fountain of intelligence and pleasure is very natural. But both information and pleasure must be regulated by propriety. Pleasure which cannot be obtained but by unseasonable or unsuitable expense must always end in pain, and pleasure that must be enjoyed at the expense of another's pain can never be such as a worthy mind can fully delight in. What improvement you might gain by coming to London you may easily supply or easily compensate by enjoining yourself some particular study at home or opening some new avenue to information. Edinburgh is not yet exhausted, and I am sure you will find no pleasure here which can deserve either that you should anticipate any part of your future fortune, or that you should condemn yourself and your lady to penurious frugality for the rest of the year. I need not tell you what regard you owe to Mrs. Boswell's entreaties, or how much you ought to study the happiness of her who studies yours with so much diligence, and of whose kindness you enjoy such good effects. Life cannot subsist in society but by reciprocal concessions. She permitted you to ramble last year. You must permit her now to keep you at home. Your last reason is so serious that I am unwilling to oppose it. Yet you must remember that your image of worshipping once a year in a certain place in imitation of the Jews is but a comparison and simile non est idem. If the annual resort to Jerusalem was a duty to the Jews, it was a duty because it was commanded, and you have no such command, therefore no such duty. It may be dangerous to receive too readily and indulge too fondly opinions from which perhaps no pious mind is wholly disengaged of local sanctity and local devotion. You know what strange effects they have produced over a great part of the Christian world. I am now writing, and you, when you read this, are reading, under the eye of omnipresence. To what degree fancy is to be admitted into religious offices, it would require much deliberation to determine. I am far from intending totally to exclude it. Fancy is a faculty bestowed by our Creator, and it is reasonable that all his gifts should be used to his glory, that all our faculties should cooperate in his worship, but they are to cooperate according to the will of him that gave them, according to the order which his wisdom has established. 
as ceremonies prudential or convenient are less obligatory than positive ordinances as bodily worship is only the token to others or ourselves of mental adoration so fancy is always to act in subordination to reason we may take fancy for a companion but must follow reason as our guide we may allow fancy to suggest certain ideas in certain places but reason must always be heard when she tells us that those ideas and those places have no natural or necessary relation when we enter a church we habitually recall to mind the duty of adoration but we must not omit aberration for want of a temple because we know and ought to remember that the universal lord is everywhere present and that therefore to come to jonah footnote iona end of footnote or to jerusalem though it may be useful cannot be necessary thus i have answered your letter and have not answered it negligently i love you too well to be careless when you are serious i think i shall be very diligent next week about our travels which i have too long neglected i am dear sir your most etc samuel johnson compliments to madam and miss to the same dear sir the lady who delivers this has a lawsuit in which she desires to make use of your skill and eloquence and she seems to think that she shall have something more of both for a recommendation from me which though i know how little you want any external incitement to your duty i could not refuse her because i know that at least it will not hurt her to tell you that i wish her well i am sir your most humble servant samuel johnson may the tenth seventeen seventy four mr boswell to dr johnson edinburgh may the twelfth seventeen seventy four lord hales has begged me to offer you his best respects and to transmit to you specimens of annals of scotland from the accession of malcolm kenmore to the death of james v in drawing up which his lordship has been engaged for some time his lordship writes to me thus if i could procure dr johnson's criticisms they would be of great use to me in the prosecution of my work as they would be judicious and true i have no right to ask that favour of him if you could it would highly oblige me dr blair requests you may be assured that he did not write to london what you said to him and that neither by word nor letter has he made the least complaint of you but on the contrary has a high respect for you and loves you much more since he saw you in scotland it will both divert and please you to see his eagerness about this matter to james boswell esq streatham june the twenty first seventeen seventy four dear sir yesterday i put the first sheets of the journey to the hebrides to the press i have endeavoured to do you some justice in the first paragraph footnote i was induced he says to undertake the journey by finding in mr boswell a companion whose acuteness would help my inquiry and whose gaiety of conversation and civility of manners are sufficient to counteract the inconveniences of travel in countries less hospitable than we have passed quoted by boswell in his 
Hebrides. End of footnote. It will be one volume in octavo, not thick. It will be proper to make some presents in Scotland. You shall tell me to whom I shall give, and I have stipulated twenty-five for you to give in your own name. Some will take the present better from me, others better from you. In this, you who are to live in the place ought to direct. Consider it. Whatever you can get for my purpose, send me, and make my compliments to your lady and both the young ones. I am, sir, your etc. Samuel Johnson. Mr. Boswell to Dr. Johnson, Edinburgh, June the 24th, 1774. You do not acknowledge the receipt of the various packets which I have sent to you. Neither can I prevail with you to answer my letters though you honour me with returns. Footnote. Boswell wrote to Temple on May the 8th, 1779. I think Dr. Johnson never answered but three of my letters, though I have had numerous returns from him. Letters of Boswell in footnote. You have said nothing to me about Paul Goldsmith, nothing about Langton. Footnote. Dr. Goldsmith died April the 4th this year. Boswell. Boswell wrote to Garrick on April the 11th, 1774. Dr. Goldsmith's death would affect all the club much. I have not been so affected with any event that has happened of a long time. I wish you would give me, who am at a distance, some particulars with regard to his last appearance. Garrick correspondence in a footnote. I have received for you from the Society for Propagating Christian Knowledge in Scotland the following Erse books, the New Testament, Baxter's Call, the Confession of Faith of the Assembly of Divines at Westminster, the Mother's Catechism, a Gaelic and English vocabulary. Footnote. These books Dr. Johnson presented to the Bodleian Library, Boswell, in the footnote. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, I wish you could have looked over my book before the printer, but it could not easily be. I suspect some mistakes, but as I deal perhaps more in notions than in facts, the matter is not great, and the second edition will be mended if any such there be. The press will go on slowly for a time, because I am going into Wales tomorrow. I should be very sorry if I appeared to treat such a character as Lord Hales, otherwise than with high respect. I return the sheets, to which I have done what mischief I could, and finding it so little, thought not much of sending them. Footnote. On the cover enclosing them, Dr. Johnson wrote, If my delay has given any reason for supposing that I have not a very deep sense of the honour done me by asking my judgment, I am very sorry. Boswell, end footnote. The narrative is clear, lively, and short. I have done worse to Lord Hales than by neglecting his sheets. I have run him in debt. Dr. Horne, the president of Magdalen College in Oxford, wrote to me about three months ago that he purposed to reprint Walton's Lives, and desired me to contribute to the work. My answer was that Lord Hales intended the same publication, 
and Dr. Horne has resigned it to him. His lordship must now think seriously about it. Of poor dear Dr. Goldsmith there is little to be told more than the papers have made public. He died of a fever, made, I am afraid, more violent by uneasiness of mind. His debts began to be heavy, and all his resources were exhausted. Sir Joshua, footnote, Sir Joshua was very much affected by the death of Goldsmith, to whom he had been a very sincere friend. He did not touch the pencil for that day, a circumstance most extraordinary for him who passed no day without a line. Northcote's Reynolds in the footnote. Sir Joshua is of opinion that he owed not less than two thousand pounds. Was ever poet so trusted before? Footnote. He owed his tailor seventy-nine pounds, though he had paid him a hundred and ten pounds in 1773. In this payment was included thirty-five pounds for his nephew's clothes. We find such entries in his own bills as to Tyrian bloom, satin grain, and garter blue silk breeches, eight pounds, two shillings, and sevenpence. To Queen's blue dress suit, eleven pounds, seventeen shillings. To your blue velvet suit, twenty-one pounds, ten shillings, and ninepence. Philby's son said to Mr. Pryor, My father attributed no blame to Goldsmith. He had been a good customer, and had he lived, would have paid every farthing. Prize Goldsmith and a footnote. You may, if you please, put the inscription thus. Maria Scottorum Regina Nata, 15 blank blank, Asuis in exilium acta, 15 blank blank, Ab hospita nequidata, 15 blank blank. You must find the years. Of your second daughter, you certainly gave the account yourself, though you have forgotten it. While well, Mrs. Boswell is well, never doubt of a boy. Mrs. Thrale brought, I think, five girls running. But while I was with you, she had a boy. I am obliged to you for all your pamphlets, and of the last I hope to make some use. I made some of the former. I am, dear sir, your most affectionate servant, Samuel Johnson, July the 4th, 1774. My compliments to all the three ladies. End of section 38.